Hello, and welcome to The Right Side of History, a show dedicated to exploring current events through a historical lens and busting left-wing myths about figures and events of America's past. My name is Jarrett Stepman, a contributor to The Daily Signal. And I'm Fred Lucas, the Daily Signal's White House correspondent. This week, we'll be discussing Fred's recent trip to Charlottesville, Virginia, and a debate over history and monuments. And uh, first of all, for the audience, Fred, actually, he did a great job. Uh, there's a series of pieces oh, that you can thanks. see at uh, our website, DailySignal.com, of Fred, who really decided to, for the anniversary of uh, the now infamous march that took place in, in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017, uh, where, of course, there was violence, a young woman got killed, there was all kinds of craziness in the city of Charlottesville, which actually I wrote about a little bit at the time, uh, Fred went down to Charlottesville and decided to talk to some people there, regular folks, political individuals, and really get an assessment uh, of how the town was uh, is today, uh, Fred. And, and mm -hmm. can you tell us a little about your story and, and why you decided to go? Well, yeah, it's um, I, well, I went uh, to kind of get the groundwork uh, assessment of how things, how the city is recovering uh, two years after this, and uh, how they're moving on. They, uh, uh, there, there are a few changes. A uh, few people who were on the city council when this happened um, decided not to run again. That there, so there's a lot in the political situation there. Uh, but uh, I, I interviewed some uh, the the person who was the mayor at the time, uh, also the person who is the current vice mayor. Uh, um, a few few people didn't want to talk about this uh, uh, from the city council. That's okay. But but I also talked to um, uh, one of the lawyers who's involved defending the war memorials there. So uh, so that's uh, we did get a pretty good cross section of folks from the city. Uh, I talked to the head of the NAACP, uh, um, and I I think a good cross section of folks there who were uh, um, you know from every background and. Uh, what, what was interesting, I thought, is that um, a lot of people, unless they were particularly in maybe the political class or the activist class, were not diehards uh, about the war memorials or the, the, the statues at Ralph. Uh, um, and, and just familiarize the listeners, uh, uh, this entire thing started uh, with the removal of the Robert E. Lee statue and the right. Stonewall Jackson statues. Yeah, it really is interesting, and it, it kind of mirrors a lot of polls that came out after these incidents uh, where a lot of Americans of all backgrounds really weren't all that focused on tearing down the statues, even though this was a big national news story. I mean, this was mm -hmm. a—I mean, and this really has been for a few years a huge story about this kind of controversy over monuments, of course, right. Confederate monuments, monuments now moving on to Jefferson, Washington, you name it, in today's climate. Uh, but this is something that seems that a lot of kind of, you know, average Americans who are not directly connected to politics or political advocacy— are somewhat, if not neutral, then somewhat ambivalent about the whole thing and don't seem to be gung-ho about making this the first order of business in their cities of demolishing these statues. Well, yeah, uh, and um, I mean, one of the ways I, I sort of described it is Charlottesville's a city that's just really rich in history, but it's wrestling with its past. And um, that that's something that, that we did see um, – Almost everyone down to a T uh, pointed out that most of the people who were in town 
for the, that rally that turned into a riot, uh, they were out of towners. Uh, yeah. Uh, and um, that, that that was more true of the sort of neo Nazis, a white nationalist group, I, I think, than than Antifa and Antifa types or the people who stir up trouble had been sort of making chaos at these city council meetings for quite some time and stirring things up. Um, one thing uh, I've got I'd gotten from people on both the left and the right uh, is that you'd had these uh, protest types showing up at city council meetings, uh, stirring things up, uh, uh, shouting Nazi, fascist, racist uh, to every council member. And on one hand, you have some people uh, saying, hey, these council meetings need to be lively. We don't need to muzzle free speech. Uh, while others say, well, you are in a sense muzzling free speech because regular people don't want to go because they're afraid if you bring up, we need to fill this pothole on First Avenue, you're going to be called a, a Nazi for it or told you're doing this for white privilege in some way. Yeah, I think I think that really is an interesting part of this is sometimes it appears that a lot of times the extremists kind of drown out the voices of, you know, kind of average people who who are willing to have kind of a debate on these mm -hmm. issues. And so uh, it, it seems to be that's part of that maybe the now dissent where you see, I mean, this thing started sort of over a Robert E. Lee statue, of course, the Confederate general, and now has moved on in Charlottesville, again, a city with incredibly rich history. I mean, obviously not just the Civil War, but right. going well, back before even the founding of the country. Right. Uh, Thomas the, Jefferson. The hometown of Thomas Jefferson. Mm -hmm. I mean, James Madison lived near right. there. Uh, James Monroe, some of the first presidents of the United States. So now you have controversy over these other historical figures who are not, not certainly not Confederates uh, mm -hmm. in any right. way, but have now come into the crosshairs where, I mean, even somebody like Thomas Jefferson, who I think, you know, Americans kind of have, at least in this country's history, universally uh, shown respect for and have admired. Even he seems to now be somebody that's suspect in Charlottesville, somebody that's now well, being targeted. Uh, Charlottesville, the city of Charlottesville and Albemarle County uh, both decided to remove Thomas Jefferson's birthday as a holiday for their uh public employees. And wow. and that was something that got a lot of attention. It didn't have a direct effect on that many people unless you worked for the county or the city. But uh, there was symbolism to this. Uh, that Because Jefferson owned 600 slaves in his lifetime, that was a... They, people felt like that was a strike against him. The mayor of the city, uh, Nikki Walker, actually said on a Facebook post, Thomas Jefferson can still celebrate his birthday in hell. That's some, that's some quoting wow. from. Uh, so, uh, so 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 this was something that that's uh, that really um, struck a nerve with a lot of people in the city because uh, keep in mind uh, not only do you have Monticello uh, in Charlottesville but you also have uh, the University of Virginia which Thomas Jefferson founded. So are you going to tear down Monticello? Are you going to tear down the University of Virginia because uh, they have a connection to this imperfect individual? Um, and how and how are those institutions kind of responding to this? I know you did a, a little research into this, and, some, well, and, and I, how are they dealing with this issue? Well, I, I think in terms of Monticello, um, I think that they do strike the right balance because uh, Monticello, they, of course, celebrate Jefferson, but they also uh, point out the the biggest contradiction in his life, which is that he wrote in the Declaration of Independence, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Yet he did 
own 600 slaves uh, in his lifetime. I, I, I would point out that Jefferson was a man of many contradictions. He, uh, public and private life, uh, created equal versus slavery being one. Uh, another that he was a great champion of religious liberty, yet he prohibited his uh, daughter from becoming a nun. <laughs> he, he did have uh, a, a little bit of yeah. a prejudice against, I think, the Catholic Church yeah, uh, in particular. But right. Jefferson's yeah. record on religious oh. liberty is kind of like interesting. He actually, yeah. knowing a little history of yeah. Charlottesville, he actually yeah. weirdly contributed financially to church, all different kinds of churches in Charlottesville, oh. but then had some kind of weird notions that everybody someday would be a Unitarian or something yeah, along those was... lines. And so, but interesting. Yeah. On, on, uh, another contradiction in his life, he uh, preached frugality in government uh, and then he died deeply in debt. So that's uh, <laughs> uh, lived beyond his means personally, but uh but yeah, that, that that's something. Um, but Monticello, they they actually offer a tour on Monticello and slavery, um, and they get into the of course the, the sort of Sally Hemings situation uh, and her lineage. That's that's a matter that it is a, that Monticello now accepts as fact based on DNA tests. I know there is some dispute about that still among some people, but uh, you know it, it is the imperfections. But but I think that is the sort of the the proper balance, you should take a look at the whole individual, right? And and history that yeah, you know, and our basic recognition that no human being is perfect. That goes for historical figures as well. Yeah, I think this kind of enters into this kind of larger debate we're having. Certainly in America, notable as we both talked about, Fred, this project by the New York Times, mm-hmm. the, the sixteen nineteen project, which. People don't know. 1619 is the the year that uh, a group of slaves essentially was brought to uh, Virginia colony. It's notable as the first kind of entrance of slavery into the British colonies in the New World. Of course, slavery existed before 1619 in the Americas. Uh, both native peoples kept slaves, and as did Spanish, Portuguese, Dutch. But that is kind of notable as this moment that slavery came to America, uh, or the, what America would be. Uh, And, of course, New York Times ran this 1619 project saying that the 1619 is the true founding of America when slavery was introduced uh, to what will become the United States. And, you know, of course, that's – I think if you ask most Americans when's the founding of America, they would say, oh, 1776, uh, which really kind of sets up kind of this debate we're having over people like – Thomas Jefferson and the founders and, and, and over history itself. And of course, mm-hmm. it has moved along now from the, the controversy over Confederates to the idea of, you know, what does America stand for? Can we celebrate Jefferson despite inconsistencies? Can we celebrate these figures or simply because individuals in the past have don't check off all the boxes or mm-hmm. were personally had personal failings? Should we simply not talk about them? Should we get rid of them? Should we banish them to the dustbins of history, so to speak. Right, right. I, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the, the old cliche, if you uh, um, forget history, you're doomed to repeat it. Uh, that's something I, I think you remember all these individuals for good and bad and uh, make an assessment. Um, coming back on, on the uh, Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson situation in Charlottesville, uh, they actually, uh, let me make sure I get the proper name of this Blue Ribbon Commission. It was uh, the city first appointed uh, when when West Bellamy, that's the city councilman, he's one of the people who demanded those statues be taken down. Uh, the city, first thing they did was um, 
supposed to be sort of a compromise and not move forward too quickly when this became controversial. They appointed a blue ribbon commission on race monuments and the public spaces uh, to study this matter. Um, sounds like a very politically correct name, I think. <laughs> yes. But 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 at the same time, the, the commission uh, presented two options in November 2016. Uh, one was to relocate the Lee and Jackson statues to, to somewhere else in the city outside of the downtown area. And another was to just make changes to the existing locations, like put up a plaque or something pointing out that these these guys fought for a cause that was not necessarily to be celebrated. It involved slavery. Uh, and the council ended up uh, be doing neither, uh, and, and they ended up voting uh, to ignore the recommendations of the commission and voted to uh, just get rid of these statues. And, and that, I think, is part of the reason that you had this problem. Also, um, the, the mayor of the city at the time, Michael Signer, decided to go out and make this big speech about we are a capital of the resistance uh, as soon as Donald Trump got elected president. So um, that, that sort of like brought a lot of national attention onto Charlottesville. And, and you also had... Um, uh, well, uh, one of the, the a former city councilman uh, in Charlottesville, uh, Rob Schilling, who's now a, a talk radio host, uh, he 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 felt like uh, that the whole issue had been just uh, sort of nationalized, uh, weaponized, and nationalized was hmm. the word he used uh, for this, uh, be, because you have this debate uh, going on across the South, really. Um, I guess well, there's there's a handful of. Confederate statues up north too, but uh, oh, yeah. mostly in the south, uh, uh, about what to do with these uh, monuments, and it's usually a local debate decided by the local community one way or another, and local public officials are going to be held accountable at the ballot box. Whatever happens, uh, this turned into a national controversy, and some people say in part because uh, the mayor of this uh, relatively small city came out early on saying we're the capital of the resistance, and. Uh, focused a lot of national attention on Charlottesville and that brought in some you know people that you didn't want in town like uh neo nazis uh neo confederates uh and white nationalists so and when I say that I should say these were self professed neo nazis right right <laughs> white nationalists so some sometimes the left just tosses those terms out for to everybody they disagree with yeah it, it is interesting how this this issue kind of becomes nationalized especially mm -hmm. the history of some of these statues and monuments and of course there's a lot of you know we have you know southern poverty law center saying oh these confederate right. monuments all over the country and they're symbols of hate and they bring them all down you know what they define as that is just really wobbly and you know, the reasons for the statues is, you know, sometimes all over the map. And there's, of course, a lot of, you know, local complication over it. I think, you know, you just mentioned that some of these so-called Confederate monuments are not actually in the South. I, I It does, not to digress too much, but it does remind me of, you know, recently there's just controversy over this so-called Confederate statue in Martha's Vineyard, which is in mm -hmm. Massachusetts. And you may be scratching your head thinking, why on earth is there a Confederate statue in, in Massachusetts? There must be a bunch of, you know, racists mm -hmm. up there. But actually, the, the, the plaque was put there originally because a Southerner who had fought for the Confederate Army who encountered some prejudice uh, with fellow northerner with northerners uh, Americans up there in Massachusetts after the war, uh, decided to actually build a statue for a Union soldier and for the Union soldiers who defeated slavery. And he mentioned this. I mean, he this is a statue that he helped contribute to and helped build uh, at there at Martha's Vineyard. And so the locals actually built a, a 
tribute to basically for him, saying mm -hmm. that, you know, we give credit to you know, our southern brethren and things. So this oh. is defined as a Confederate statue, and it has been mm -hmm. since removed, even though it was created as a symbol of unity between northerners or southerners and a, one, a southerner who even said, you know, gave a tribute to eliminating slavery. So I, I, it seems that a lot of these issues are, are very kind of complex, very local and that kind of national forces sweep down and there's this kind of jump to immediately uh, condemn. And then, of course, you know, you have more kind of silly condemnations. Like I think something that has become an issue in Charlottesville, I mean, maybe it's a mm. non-issue for most, but uh, apparently there's also a statue of, of Sacagawea <laughs> right, there in right. the city that now is – Coming under fire, not for, I mean, anything really specific other than how she's standing. Can you explain that, Fred? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there, There is this thinking along the lines that uh, because she's kneeling, which she was a scout for Lewis and Clark, so that's sort of what scouts did. They, 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 they <laughs> got a framework. Um, there there was this view that she is somehow submissive or it's, it's not a – doesn't show her contributing to their – venture in the same way that they are, these two white males. Um, so, and, and, and there's some dispute about that. The, the city of Charlottesville, the city council is going to be flying um, descendants of Sacagawea into the city uh, to sort of uh, offer their opinions about how they feel about this. Because there, there is some um, confusion about this, whether it's really offensive or not offensive. And it's. Um, I mean, I could say I, I have actually seen the statue. I yeah, used to I, briefly. I, I lived there, I and, it's, well and saying, it is so. a bit of a head scratcher. I mean, yeah. she is literally crouching, yeah. and her hand is kind of up, like as she's looking right. for. Because of course, she was a scout. I mean, that was her right. role uh, in this expedition, and I, it just it, it kind of reminds me just you know how this this debate kind of gets granular. Is this offensive? Is it not? You know, especially in, you know, now in 2019 where, I mean, so much, I mean, there's so many national controversies over, you know, something being offensive about this or that. I mean, you get to the point where, mm. I mean, if anything is built, really almost at any time, somebody somewhere is going to find mm. it offensive somehow. There's going to be something, you know, that, and, and, and ultimately we're going to end up with a lot of empty pedestals around the country to people who really do deserve a tribute and, well, and had right. one from their fellow Americans. Like, I mean, like Sacagawea. I mean, I was going to bring you did a piece, I guess it was a year ago, maybe a little more about there was a movement in Wisconsin to do away with a uh, Abraham Lincoln statue because right. I think they thought he was anti-Native American was the argument. But, but in the course of that, people started saying Lincoln owned slaves, which is not true, but... <laughs> There, there are certain people that think if you say something loud enough and repeat it over and over again, that it becomes true. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and this controversy we have right now in, in San Francisco over a mural of George Washington right. that was painted in the 1930s by a man who was, by definition, he was a communist. I mean, he was a left-wing guy <laughs> who wanted to paint a negative portrayal of George Washington, had oh. depicted slavery and a killed Native American. Mm. And modern day activists said that this was offensive, that this was, uh, you know, making people feel unsafe right. and that this was celebrating uh, genocide. And so now they've decided that after a lot of battles over this, they've decided not to destroy the mural, but to simply cover it up with more positive imagery and mm -hmm. things like this, which I, I find fascinating because the original painting was meant to be negative. It was to a certain extent, it was supposed to go with their narrative that America, you know, has these great grievous sins of the past. 
And yet to be, you know, woke, to be progressive, no, you have to tear it down. This was this was done by somebody in the 1930s. It offends me. Bring it down. And it, it, it really kind of shows how some of this mentality has spiraled out of control in some cases and just gotten, I mean, gotten silly. I yeah. Um though, though I, I I I was somewhat attempted uh, to uh, support the woke crowd when they wanted to take uh, Woodrow Wilson's name off the buildings <laughs> at Princeton, but uh, uh, yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, at least I was some showing some level of consistency. I'm I'm not sure if they've uh, they've shown the same outrage over FDR yet over the uh, internment camps, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I do wonder when the FDR memorial here in Washington D.C. Right. is going to come under attack, right. but. Uh, you know, in, in general, I think, you know, look, we're, our, our podcast is dedicated to talking about history and kind of explaining things. And, you know, to a large extent, we do hope that, you know, there is some history to preserve in this country and certainly never try to say that America's past is, is perfect or something that, you know, doesn't have problems. And I think that's a good thing to think about these things. But to a certain extent, you have to accept that human beings are imperfect, that the world's not perfect. And, you know, there are some things to celebrate. Certainly America itself, which has been such a beacon of liberty and, and, and you know, people like Thomas Jefferson and and uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, I mean, around the world. I mean, we're talking about some of the greatest moments in our history for liberty and freedom, you know, because of this, what this one man wrote and what his, his role in the revolution. Right. So, yeah. And I, I, yeah. And I think certainly with Jefferson, um, while he owned slaves, he, you know, voiced problems with a uh, Slavery as an institution, and the Declaration of Independence certainly laid the template for abolishing slavery. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's something that Abraham Lincoln said. And Abraham yeah. Lincoln had some criticism of Jefferson, but he said, you know, all credit to Thomas Jefferson for injecting into our founding document a, a, a idea, a principle, a, a timeless one. I mean, really, a timeless one yeah. uh, that became essential to the idea. Yeah. I mean, look, Thomas Jefferson— I mean, yes, one if one is held in bondage, one can be against slavery. But the remarkable aspect of Jefferson, this is a man who held slaves and was against slavery and thought it needed to be doomed to to demolition. And that's an incredible thing. And, of course, you know, four score and seven years later, that came to be with, with a terrible civil war that ultimately ended a, a terrible right. institution. Uh, and I think that's kind of the remarkable thing to note. I mean, many people try to focus on the negatives, but— uh, that remarkable aspect that you know these these great ideas lead to good things in the long run, and that should be celebrated. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I totally agree. If you'd like to read more about this debate in Charlottesville and how that community is handling this, please go to our website dailysignal.com. You can also check out our Facebook page. And also, thanks to everyone for joining us on the right side of history. If you'd like to listen to past and future broadcasts, you can check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or the Daily Signal website. Also, take a look at the Daily Signal's Facebook page when we air our next program. And if you are further interested in our work, check out Jarrett's Twitter at Jarrett Stepman and my Twitter at FredLucasWH. Thanks again for listening. The Right Side of History is executive produced by Jarrett Stepman and Fred Lucas. Sound design by Lauren Evans and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit heritage.org.